Hello, podcast world. Welcome to Vicarious Living, a show about a couple Midwest dudes breaking down all the beauty that is teen drama TV. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. It's Wednesday here, but in our hearts, it's Friday. It's Tuesday. Feels like Tuesday in our hearts. (laughs) (laughs) It's Wednesday in our minds, in our hearts, it feels like Tuesday, but in our souls, it's Friday night and we're under the lights. Hello, Mm -hmm. Brian. Hello. Now that we've role reversed uh, and had you kick it off. Very very first intro, how'd I do? (laughs) Crushed it. Um... Roll reverse to me. I'll do the housekeeping. See if I can get this right. Contact information. Gmail account. VicariousLivingPod at gmail.com. Get at us kids. Fuck the kids who don't get at us. Instagram. VicariousLivingPodcast at Instagram.com. Okay, so tonight, back to our two-episode policy. Episode 15, Blinders, and episode 16, entitled Black Eyes and Broken Hearts. So, full disclosure again, um, we are going to bypass any Waverly Smash storyline. That's going to happen again. Skimming it. We're going to skim it. Um, Tough issues to tackle on this podcast between the two white males sitting in this room yeah i feel like we handled <laughs> enough sensitive issues on the oc that i i mean we're seasoned vets at this point there's no way we make any missteps no well i want to say before we get into that whole thing i think it starts with a, an interview after the game that starts off the first episode that we watched yeah so before we get to that, though, let's just give context. There's a whole lot of race relation issues because Mac, the assistant coach, he made some comments to a reporter. Just like, I didn't even know what he said. He he was essentially saying like, oh, Smash is a junkyard dog. She basically, well, she, uh, she basically led him into this corner that was to say like white guys are like the quarterbacks yeah. and black dudes are like the athletic the running DBs, the running backs, the receivers. White guys are like the kickers. Like he, and the he, yeah, he was just like, I, I think he, I think he said it before he even realized what was happening. She hypnotized him into being racist. She was doing some bullshit interviewer stuff, and, and it just yeah put him in a bad position. And he answered it, and before he even realized which way was up, it was like clear that she was gonna make this out as he's like some racist guy. And I, I don't think Mac is actually racist. He just, like, he was saying things, and the interviewer sort of, like, led him down this path. And then it just put everyone in a horrible position. Like, now Smash and all the black players, they have to take, like, some ridiculous stand against, like, oh, no, we can't stand for anyone, like, being a racist. And then Mac has to double down on, like, I'm not going to apologize because I wasn't. It, it just, like, was a horrible fucking thing. So we're not going to cover it too much. But, yes, let's talk about the interview because it was just reminding us of because interviewers do this shit to athletes all the time, 
it just forces athletes to do these like platitudes that are just zero burgers fucking nothingness of comments that they always have to make so pipes and i we were we started compiling a fucking list oh yeah we'll be compiled these are the kinds of things you say after the game to not make headlines right and you never get any information uh think of marvin lewis of the cincinnati bengals was our coach for about 10 years all 10 years i wanted to fucking kill myself and all he did was speak in these platitudes that move no needle and no one knows whatever the fuck he's talking about. The goal is to give no information and make zero splash in the media. Right. So let's just rapid fire give some of these. Um, first one I wrote down. We, we both made a list here. So let's give in the context of our podcasting. Like we just had a podcast, a hard fought podcast, and we're getting interviewed about it afterwards. Right. And I mean, it, it's we're all just... about the success of like how far we've come from nothing and like how it's like a rags to riches story with our podcast. 17 Instagram likes, you know, like we've blown up. Yeah. We're getting interviewed by some like cool magazine, like, um, vibe vibe yeah about a podcast and they're just trying to get some information out of it and we're saying things like you know we're just a couple of couple of guys a lot of guys putting in hard work yeah we gave 110 percent we gave 110 percent i mean honestly we're just looking forward to the next podcast right and then we probably say something along the lines of like love it's a marathon it's not a sprint we're not going out here trying to run i mean really we're just putting ourselves in a position to win yeah, I mean, those other podcasts over there, they're great podcasts. Those are great podcasts. We wouldn't take anything away from those podcasts. No, absolutely. I that, mean, they they work just as hard as we do, if not even, like, the exact same amount of hard. Yeah, and at the end of the day, it's the podcast that you do, not the podcast that you don't do. Right, yeah, it's not about those. And also, we just take it one game at a time, one day at a time, one fucking hot take at a time. Podcasting and- is really a game of inches. Well, hold on on that one, because I want to end with that one. It's got to end on that. But I will tell you this also about podcasting, Pipes, team effort. You know, we don't put any one player above the team, the podcast team. No, we got a podcast microphone, we got a computer, and we're podcasting. Look, it's not about the results of the podcast, Pat. It's about how you play the podcast. No, No, I think we really prepare each week for this podcast, and we come and we say things. Yes, we say things. And and you know what? Another thing is that all we can do is put ourselves in the best position. And if we go out there and execute, we're going to be really satisfied with the results. No, I couldn't agree more. Win, lose, tie, or draw. Um, Last thing I'll say is, you know what? I'm not going to say this. I'm going to have Al Pacino say this. Oh, please do. Something about a game not being of feet or linear... Meters? Meters. Centimeters? Centiliters. It's a game of centiliters? Miles? No, it's actually this. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that inch. We claw with our fingernails for that inch. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. It's the guy who's willing to die who's going to win that itch. And I know if I'm going to have any life anymore, it's because I'm still willing to fight and die for that itch. Because 
That's what living is. The six inches in front of your face. Now I can't make you do it. <laughs> such right, a good, that speech gets me so I get goosebumps every time I hear that fucking speech and the one from uh, Remember the Titans fuck I just gotta play that too because now I don't want these goosebumps to go away here's Coach Yost come on alright now I don't want them to gain another yard you blitz all night and if they cross the line of scrimmage I'm gonna take every last one of you out you make sure that they remember forever the night they played the Titans. We honestly, we should dedicate a whole episode to like, I don't know if it would be just coach movies, like sports movie speeches or just good inspirational speeches. Yeah. You know what my favorite one is all, of all time is? What? Independence Day. Oh, Yeah. Was his name Bill Paxton? Uh huh. Goosebumps for me. Yeah, that's that's just a great. He and he's got the. I think the key to like a great speech in a movie like that is there's got to be like this gruff, raspiness to your voice. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, fuck you up. Inspiring. Inspiration. Okay. Hey, by the way, can we take? A quick little leap back mm-hmm. um, before the interview where uh, Mac basically submarines his career mm-hmm. with some subtle racism. Yeah. Um, they play a game, and we ended our last episode saying that, you know, Riggins' dad shows up, and then they're about to play the game, and then they stop. Sometimes Friday Night Lights does this, where you get used to the rhythm of there being a game at the end of an episode. Yeah. Sometimes they cut off with no game. This episode starts with the game, and I just wanted your thoughts on it because it's just not as dramatic. No, it's it, and and it was funny like a cold they, open to a football game. Yeah, yeah, and it it was hilarious because as they did that, they just had the game end in a blowout because you know whether the game comes at the beginning of the episode or the end of the episode, what the exact score is going to be. If it's at the beginning where there's no drama built up for forty five minutes beforehand. It's just going to be a blowout win, 31 to 10. If it's at the end, as we know, it's going to come down to a Hail Mary fucking flea flicker at the end of every game. By the way, quick note on that game that started off this episode. There is 18 seconds left. They, uh, the Dylan Pease were up 24 to 10 with 18 seconds left, and they were on offense. They had the ball. Do you remember what play they did to close out the game? <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it, was it, was a, it was a reverse flea flicker. It was like, no, it wasn't a flea it was flicker. Like, it was a reverse halfback toss. Oh yeah, back to the quarterback. Yeah. yeah, some ridiculous gadget play to end the game on a touchdown when they're already blowing out. <laughs> I didn't even actually. <laughs> it should have been a knee. It, I didn't, <laughs> they uh, should have done a no. I didn't even clock that. I think I was just too busy jotting down notes. Because I was like, I was loving the play because obviously I I love a gadget play. I love a trick play. Yeah, but you don't run it. Saracen gets the ball. He pitches it to Smash. I think uh, no, maybe, he hand, he pitches he, it to Riggins. Riggins goes around the end. Yeah. Smash is coming around the other way. Pitch pitches it to Smash. Smash bombs Half it for back. a touchdown yeah. to Saracen. And I'm like, oh shit, nice play. I wonder if they won the game last second again. Go up to the scoreboard, and they the score is thirty to ten after yeah. that TD. So that was insane. Odd. <laughs> Just <laughs> odd. What a dick move. 
What a dick move. I mean, Coach T really fucking puts the hammer down, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Let's get back to the timeline here. Jason's first day back at school. Um, he wheels in, and I just, the only thing I wrote down here was Jason enters school um, and gives, like, jokes to kids he sees in the hallways at about a, the same clip that I give jokes to co-workers at work. Yeah. Like, around the, in the kitchen when you pass someone, and he... He says they're jokes that are like at best a, a two and a half on a scale to thirteen, and he gives it, but he gives it thirteen enthusiasm. Yeah, and then and then it's always one of those things too, where like all parties have to overlap way aggressively because to just get out of it. You yeah. know, it's like a, uh, so he says like uh, as he's wheeling in, and it's clear like yeah, uh, I've been gone because I was paralyzed in a horrible horrible injury and i no longer have the feeling from my dick down and all the jokes he's giving are like to the kids who are like coming up and awkwardly saying hi to him are like oh yeah seeing how long i could enjoy the vacation or it's uh, seeing how long i get away with being off school and this injury has aged street like 15 years yeah you get god he just He's just not a high schooler anymore. No. To his point, he's talking about going away to join a quad rugby team. Hold on. Don't even Am I get getting into ahead that. of myself? I don't I don't want to get into that yet. I'll just I'll just I'll tease it a little bit. Street's making plans and they don't involve high school, and it kind of makes sense because he doesn't he doesn't belong in high school anymore. The, right. He he doesn't. He he acts like I just can't handle honestly when I view him on the screen, I don't view him as a seventeen year old or an eighteen year old. Like I same as you, like I look at him and I'm like, this is a 35 year old man who's had a couple kids and now he's sitting in a wheelchair just showing up to the local high school fucking like R. Kelly, dude. Like, <laughs> God damn, like, like just where's the local McDonald's? Where's the local high school? Jason Street and R. Kelly just want to meet up and talk about which kids they're going to pee on. I would be tight if he rolled into remix to Ignition. Mm. By the way, I guess this is Or I Believe I Can Fly. That would be actually the bet. Like if he rolled, street rolled in and it's like, I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. Yeah, fuck. R.I.P. that song. Dude, I, that sucks. <laughs> we, I'm going to miss it. Yeah, so all that's going on. The only other thing is we, is we spend like way too much time on streets just first day back at school is... Uh, for some fucking reason, the science teacher just has Street dissect a fucking frog on his first day back. He doesn't even have opposable thumbs. And we threw him right back into the fire, man. <laughs> yeah, goddamn, they really did throw him into the fire. Like, hey man, we gotta get you right back in the... It's not gonna be a slow burn on you getting back into school, like verbal tests and like stuff like that. No. You fucking... You gotta have a steady hand as you wield this little exacto knife and cut this frog open. It's like, you're still having trouble using your hands? Here's a scalpel. (laughs) Stab this frog. Yeah. Okay, the other thing that was going on, I just want to mention Tyra. Her mom, as we know, started working at Buddy G's dealership, Mm -hmm. car dealership. And... It was one of her like first or second days on the job and Tyra shows up to pick her mom up, like give her a ride home. And it's real late. It's probably eight o'clock at night. It's pitch black dark. And she shows up coming unannounced to the dealership 
Did that remind you of another scene from a teen drama we know and love? Wow. Nice call. Yeah. In a teen drama, kids. Mm, Kids? If you find yourself in a teen drama, never show up to a car dealership unannounced. Uh Uh-uh. It happened to Luke. Mm Mm-hmm. You all know it happened to Luke. Yep. Found out his dad sucking dick. But in this case, it's just finding out that her mom is sucking dick. So either way, if you go to a car dealership at night and you're their kid, kids, you're finding out that your parent is sucking dick and it's not your mom or dad's dick. Yeah. It's rando dick. That's Mm -hmm. a a spot on analysis. Yeah. Um... We, I don't even know if we covered that on the OC when Ryan and Luke are doing that school project and they go to the fucking car dealership to Of to course use we it. covered it. And There's no way we did not cover that scene. We didn't. We didn't. We skipped it because we didn't want to tackle the tough issues. Shame on us. <laughs> of Luke finding out his dad's gay. Shame on us. Um, but, <laughs> um, it was such a loose premise on why they were even going there. It was like, oh, we got to print out our school project, obviously. And, um... My dad's car dealership has, like, the best fucking printer, dude. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> um, you know what? Time for clip? Clip time? Um, are we still on Buddy Garrity? Oh, you can go on Buddy Garrity before we do a clip. Yeah. I, I don't know if we'll get back to him, so I just wanted to bring this up and throw it out to you and see see how you're feeling on it. I know you're trying to get me to like Buddy Garrity by the end of this thing. Yeah. It's not going well, <laughs> obviously, because <laughs> he's still kind of a scumbag. Yeah. But I want to draw this comparison to another character from another television show that it kind of reminds me of. And it's Hank Schrader from Breaking Bad, the cop. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to think if... So in like the first episode, you're like, this guy is a dick. Like, he is just unredeemable. Oh, like, he's yeah, annoying. Yeah. He's just kind of like a just a douchebag all around. But by the end of it, you kind of really like him. And it's very upsetting when, spoiler he gets killed. Spoiler alert, kids. So, um, like, the yeah. Hank Schrader is, like, on the surface, he's just kind of a, like, a greaseball, and then they slowly start unraveling him and peeling with his onions, as you like to say, and you get to, like, a pretty heart of gold guy. Really fascinating character that you like. I'm thinking that you're hoping the same thing happens with Buddy Garrity. Well, you know, I think... Because there's a- glimmers of it. I'll give you that. There's glimmers of it. I can get on board with that comp, and I think the crazy thing is, is is if you get one or two scenes with you doing a cool move, redeeming quality thing, even in this fucking episode that we just watched, Mac Brown, who they're pan, they're they're making seem for two whole episodes that he's like or this hardcore racist and everything, and then at the end he does that really cool move, like going outside of the bus, telling those like racist white cops to go fuck themselves, mm-hmm. and then like immediately just on that one redeeming thing you're like oh now i'm kind of like mac so they i wonder if they do that where they make someone a villain and then they like test it out like pete berg or josh schwartz they test out one redeeming quality act see how the audience they're nibbling on it or do they nibble on it do they go oh wow i liked seeing this bad guy do a nice thing i'm all in on him or do they just go we don't care he's still a dick and um, I, I think with both Hank Schrader and Buddy Garrity, the audience went, I kind of like this guy. He's a total douche, but 
he's an outward douche. Inwardly, he's a good guy. Yeah, I think it's just a sign of like a, a good show and good writing that it would be boring if all characters were either really good guys or really evil dicks. Right, yeah. It's, In reality, like... Um, it's not black and white like that. No. I do terrible things every day. Terrible. Like, yeah. Truly evil shit every yeah. day. But I also do good and nice things, so it kind of right. balances out. On the way over here, you had a hit and run, killed a guy. Yeah. Didn't even bat an eye. That didn't, was a bad thing. Didn't stop, didn't call it in. Right. Hopefully I don't get in trouble. Probably but then, this out. But then, when you were walking into my house, I looked out my window and saw that there was a kid riding a bike. Mm-hmm. He fell on his bike. Yep. And right after you killed a guy in that hit and run, you helped him get up and walked him back to his <clears> house. <throat> so either you are a pedophile or mm. you're a layered character. Yeah. Uh, a lot I'm, of gray area with you. I'm going to give myself the benefit of the doubt and go with layered character. Right. Um, Besides then, yeah, the fact just, that you murdered someone today. Well, yeah. No, it balances out, though, because it helped the kid. Yeah. So. Yeah. Let's get to that clip. Um, powder puff game. Yeah. So, why don't you explain what the powder puff game is? So, a powder puff... I've actually... I don't know much about these, but just... Using my context clues in the show, it seems like at a co-ed school, the powder <laughs> puff game is where, like, the girls in the high school play a foot like a flag football game against each other. Yeah, it's like a demonstration of school spirit. Football players on the actual football team coach them. It's like a school spirit camaraderie type thing. Yeah, and Tim Riggins is the coach. Tim is a hilarious coach, by the He's way. He's the best. Tim loves um, the being a coach on the female athletics at yeah. this high school because he does it in a later season. He's the he assistant coaches uh, with Tammy T on the volleyball girls volleyball team, yeah. and he just gets way over enthused about I, being it's, a coach. It's for, so good because for the most most part, he's got this like too cool for school attitude, and just like you would think, this is something that he would just blow off. But he is all in. He is all he in. He is super into it. He's always yelling. And it, for some reason, him yelling, it, it just makes me crack up every time. Like, he's just, he's hilarious when he's yelling at uh, people. And we're actually, let's first play this clip, but we are going to go back to Tim yelling because he does a lot of yelling in this episode. And it's like, <laughs> but uh, this clip, I just want to play this because we haven't even touched on Lila yet. And um, here's a clip of Tyra who Pat has thoughts on in this Powder Puff game, and Lila. Here it is. my mom he's an employee what are you talking about you know what you are just a spoiled little snob the the reason the main reason i wanted to play that clip was just because i have a few thoughts on this game and just the dynamics of how disgusted i am with how much tyra and lila are getting into this so first off lila's gotta wear knee-high socks in this powder puff game I could have told you that was going to happen. That's yeah. Just, that's a given. I'm surprised she's not fucking playing in khaki pants, cargo khaki pants or jeans. I'm surprised she's she lets those things get air, any air at all. 
you know? I actually view Lila's thankles as I view, like, in terms, okay, in terms of how much sunlight Lila's cankles, aka thankles, should be getting, it should be about comparable to how much sunlight my dick sees, which is... Two hours a day? Yes. <laughs> Every single day at noon, I go outside when the sun's at its highest, yeah. its highest fucking peak. I go out there, I deep pants, and I just tan. And on a gloomy day, you got a little UV light. Yeah. That you just hover over it. Right. I don't get a whole, I don't need a whole tanning bed because I just need to tan under my pant region. It's all about vitamin D, really. Yes. So, um, yes, no. Incorrect. <laughs> Incorrect. Not incorrect on my dick, but incorrect on how much sunlight Lila's thankles should be getting. It should be none. <laughs> so I had that first point. That was one. And then I, I just, her running too, dude. Like, God, when she's running, I just, she's not a good runner. She doesn't, she runs like sloppy. It's a sloppy, disgusting run. She's only gone on, I, she, I would say that she's a runner. Like, she likes jogging as a hobby, but the only time we've ever seen it, she just ran herself over to Tim Reagan's house. To suck his dick. Yeah, so yeah. that might have just been a one-time thing. Yeah, I mean, whatever, dude. She sucks. But what are your thoughts What are your thoughts on Tyra in this Powder Puff game? Duh, just not into it. You wanted me to give my MCITW to Tyra. I already had bigger plans for my MCITW this week, so I'm not... So I'll just let you take the floor on why she sucks. <clears throat> yeah, it's, uh, I don't know if it comes across in the clip you played, but she is just she's outrageously too, yeah. aggressive for no reason at all. Yeah, it's like, hey, Tyra, just relax. This yeah, is like a it's a fun game. We're playing flag game. football. Lay back. Yeah, this isn't the Super Bowl. Just, yeah, her, her getting, I'm with you. It was disgusting. I think for me that unnecessary aggression was just a, a big turnoff. Yeah. Well, maybe we need, maybe Zerb And I'm a Tyra guy. You are. And I am too. I like her. But I like maybe, her a lot, but in the context of a flag football game, not my cup of tea. Maybe Zerb needs to start creating a list for you on what you don't like in the ladies. It'd be like one of those things if like me and Tyra got together and we'd been dating for a couple weeks and things are going well. And then I show up to the flag football game and I'm just like... Oh yeah! Yikes! Oh shit! Yeah, I guess it's God. time to rethink this. <laughs> Dude, uh, I just totally empathized when you laid out that analogy because I need analogies for my head to wrap around stuff, and that just made my stomach hurt so bad. When you said <laughs> like, okay, you're dating Tyra. Things are going great. You show up to the fucking stadium where there's thirty people in attendance for this powder puff game. And she just is out there. It's like CYO basketball in high school. Like if someone's going way too hard with it or intramurals and you're just like, dude, chill like, out, guy. Like, we're here for fun. And it's cool if you want to try and stuff, but like too much, do less. You just <laughs> look like such a practice hero right now. And my stomach is killing. Maybe it's not CYO. It's more just like someone in, in a practice who's going the, that all out. Like in basketball, they're picking you up full court, full court press, and fucking practice. And you're just like, dude, what the fuck, guy? Like, damn. Do less. Do less, guy. Fuck. 
Um, okay. Last thing that I want to do here. DMX. Lord, give me a sign. But this ready, is boy? the heritage of the service of the Lord. Right this, of me, said the Lord. this song Amen. is dynamite. So what's happening during well, this, this song starts playing at the end of the episode and it's how the episode ends. And it's on like it's it's I don't want to say slow motion, but it's like Smash realizes like from Waverly who just wants to fuck up that he needs to take a stand on like this racism stuff. And so while I hate that fucking storyline more than anything, I do love when they play this song and they show like Smash and all of his boys coming out to like coming out like in slow motion to this song like fuck it where we are taking a stand and this song's playing and it's just awesome. Nothing gets me more pumped up than DMX, if I'm being honest with you. What happened to DMX? Um, I think he, I mean, I don't know if he's still making music, but I think he's just a little older now. Is he peeing on people like R. Kelly and stuff? No, actually, he's not, but he's, I mean, he gets in trouble every once in a while, just like, because, I mean, you like can't, contain, you can't contain the energy that is DMX. Right. I mean, he's got to go to jail every once in a while, because right. um, he's, he's not, like, he's not punk. Yeah, he's not a punk bitch. Fun example of DMX going to prison. Did you know that he actually got arrested for impersonating an FBI agent and stealing a car? <laughs> no. I like, know. you know how in movies, like, somebody will, like, a cop will, like, take somebody's car and be like, I need this, and show them a badge and be like, I'm FBI, I need your car, and throw them out? He, he fucking did that. did that. Yeah, but see, he that's got a badass thing to get caught he, for. I know. <laughs> like, it's not like the. Kid, I, this is no disrespect to DMX. Fucking yeah, no awesome offense. move. If you're gonna get arrested, do that. He was also high as shit on cocaine and uh, got arrested yeah. with a bunch of cocaine. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> and stealing a car. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the way to get arrested. If you're gonna be like a famous musician or like a rapper, that is the way to do it. You don't want to go to jail for some punk ass bullshit, you know? No. Like, uh,. I'm just, they're fresh on my mind. You know, we keep doubling back to R. Kelly, but that's because I've just watched all these documentaries on uh, that Lifetime or whatever on DM or on R. Kelly and all the fucked out shit he was doing. I've heard about him, but I have not watched it. Uh, pretty fucked up, dude. He's literally just like full on kidnapping girls and peeing on them. And I don't know if he had sex with a female after he turned 28 or 29 that wasn't. 14 or under Yikes. and i also don't know if he had sex in his 30s and 40s ever and didn't videotape it like he just he was recording every single thing that he did and like that's how he ended up getting fucked was because he there's all these recordings of it yeah it, so when he pees on a girl like there's footage <laughs> to, to send to a media outlet or whatever yeah. but also it's that and then all the michael jackson documentary stuff so i did watch those yeah those are pretty fucked up too yeah uh if there was any i guess ambiguity on if michael jackson was just fucking raping kids i don't think there is anymore like there's pretty pretty clear evidence that uh yeah he just loved Dude, the fucked up thing, the only thing I was... Anyway, so my point about that was just to say, at least DMX <laughs> went to jail for something like that was badass and not just like hooking up with underage people. Right. But some of that stuff... I, I, here's how I knew, by the way, that Michael Jackson shit was factual. 
Carole was always talking about this on his podcast too. It, if there are stories that, and they're syncing up on one weird detail, like it's fucking true. For instance, on the Michael Jackson thing, all of his victims just kept saying, yeah, he had this, he had this weird thing where he would make me go to the end of the bed, the corner spread of the, the butt bed, cheeks. <laughs> to yeah. turn around and just spread my butt cheeks as he would just lay back in the bed, stare at my butthole and just feverishly beat off. Yeah, watched it with Whitney's parents. <laughs> Remember it well. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> Dude, also, it's like it's one of those things where no matter what you say or like I guess <laughs> hang like a 30-year-old man that just wants to hang out with 12-year-old boys. Yeah. Is the weirdest game over. Imagine how boring that would be if you weren't into banging them. Right. If, yeah. Like, suck. just hang out with this 12 year old kid. You have nothing in fucking common. It's the weirdest shit ever. Yeah. It was another one. There's another one. It was, uh. Both... Paul, play with his nipples. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Yes. See, both of those things are just weird enough to where it's like, okay, this is definitely true. If both guys went up there and they were just like, Oh yeah, Michael Jackson, man. He is making me like take out my dick and stuff, and like then jack him off, and then have to give him BJ's. That's the standard stuff. But for both guys to separately in in different interviews be like, oh yeah, he was really into me licking his nipples and twiddling his nipples. Oh, also he liked me going to the end of the bed, spreading my butt cheeks, and then just beating off. That's how you know it's true. Last thing I'll say about this, and I promise we're only going to spend about another five hours on this and then end it. Is this on the pod? Yeah. A pedophile show? <laughs> right, yeah. I want to leave some of this. God damn it. The The only other thing I'll say is, Kroll is always talking about this on his podcast, where you know it's true when it's that weird. Like, for instance, whenever someone would call into his, his uh, show and they'd be like, Oh, yeah, man, I was totally banging my best friend's mom, man. It was fucking unreal. And Kroll would be like, Oh really? Like what? How'd that go? Like how they lay out the scene for us? And he'd be like, "Oh yeah, showed up, man. She just opened her front door and like a like a hot, sexy lingerie, Victoria's Secret. She kept giving me the fucking this symbol, <laughs> like, like pussy looking symbol and all that with her two fingers and the tongue in the middle." He's like, "All right, I know this is false, but he's like, whenever someone would call in, and then the guy goes, "Yeah, I was just over there hanging out with." with my friend Terry and uh Terry uh got a call uh from like his girlfriend to go like grab the school project or whatever from her house and then like his mom came so it was just me there and then his mom came down and she's wearing a uh a Hartford Whalers hockey jersey and uh she just comes up to me it, like th then he's like okay I know this is true because that's not like hot and sexy and it's just weird enough that it has to be fucking true. Okay. All right. How much of that is staying in? I don't know. <laughs> I'll have to see. I'll have to see. Um, okay. Second episode tonight. Black Eyes, Broken Hearts, back to FNL. Let's clip. Let's clip it up. Should we clip it up here? Clip it up, man. I want to get back to the aforementioned Riggins yelling, and this time it's not at ladies, it's Riggins yelling at JV. He's taking a crack at leadership. <laughs> yeah. Riggins' crack at leadership is just, God, it's amazing. It's amazing to see. By the way, 
real quick for this clip. I don't understand why he's acting like he's like a senior and he's yelling at freshmen because technically, as we know, a loophole with the show's aging is that Tim is a sophomore right now. So all these kids... Unless are, there's a mysterious Friday Night Lights time portal, which oh could be the case. Oh, yeah. Like a wormhole? Yes. But to your yeah. point, assuming he is a sophomore. Right. Let's assume he's a sophomore and there's not some Friday Night Lights wormhole that just is like shattering all space and time in the FNL universe. He's treating these kids like he's an upperclassman. Anyways, the dynamic is hilarious. I just want to play Tim's leadership, what Tim's leadership looks like. This is two clips. Here's the first one. Bring your head a shake, 2 1. Third three right. or not, you know this. Hey, fix your team track. He's good, all right? Head up your ass. Hey, pole ride, 24 pitch on one. Ready? Let's go. Set. What do you think you're doing? Tell me what you're running. No. Tell me. You don't know what you're doing because you're supposed to be blocking for me. You know how to block yet, JV? There's no excuse for that crap. Reagan. You don't even deserve to be out on this field. Come here. That's fact. You don't. Shut your mouth. Come Give here. me a break, coach. I'm taking a hit. What the hell are you doing? I need a leader out here. You're the... That's a fact. <laughs> that's a fact. Is that the one on the field? Yeah, that's on the field. <laughs> and then uh, here's the second one. The second one is this. If you launch just into odd gap, quarterback plays into an outlet play, what do you do? Go, Stagger. Uh, okay, I know this. Too late, play's over. You waited too long to make a decision, and now we lost the game because of you. We're not going to state, and the whole town of Dillon hates you. You're never going to get laid your entire life. Fact. How's that feel right now? Man, you crack down on your blocks. You look for the quick toss. Next. If I wanted you to speak, I would have spoken to you. Besides, it's completely wrong. All you do is check into your tight end. Now put your lunch away. You're not eating. Neither are you, for that matter. Put it away. Uh, that honestly might be one of my favorite clips of the entire show. It's awesome. Is, is put, that kid... Put your lunch back. <laughs> the kid just saying, like, answering that question and immediately going, next. <laughs> like he knew it was right. <laughs> such fucking subtle fucking low-key hilarious little joke and i was thinking when i was watching this i was thinking i think this might be where the you know megan and i were talking about like later on tim goes from just being a one-dimensional brooding guy to like his real personality starts coming out yeah and that's what makes this character kind of awesome is he's got all these different dimensions to him i we might need to mark down episode 15 as the episode where tim comes out of the shell yeah tim comes to play for the remainder of the series because now you start to see a lot of these clips where it's like the taylor kitsch humor that i think he it's holds like, is coming out i know i keep going back to this but i know i stole some credit from leland on last episode oh yeah give him some give him what give him the credit he deserves okay so i think what was it we were talking about tmi guy yeah and it was, said it was Ben. It was yeah. I said it was Ben. It was actually Leland who said next time somebody's talking about work, he's going to cut him off and say TMI. Yeah, Sorry, Zerb. Leland. That was Zerb. He he came I up with that. Um, yep, that's just my bad. Full apology. That's um, Pat fucking up per usual. However, I Don't will. Don't blame him. He's a dumbass. I will give him full credit for this. When we were talking about and during the wrap up episode for the OC with uh, him about who would make a good Ryan Atwood, because clearly Ben McKenzie just wasn't cutting it. Right. 
he said Tim Riggins. Yeah. Or Taylor Kitsch would be. And it would be going back to that, especially with this like humor now coming coming out, would be perfect because Ryan was supposed to play this hard ass who is also still able to kind of cut up and hang out with Seth. Like he tried to joke every once in a while, but it just fell flat every single time. Imagine a Taylor Kitsch and a Seth Cohen playing off of each other. Oh. Where he was like bullying him for being a nerd and mm. it would just be perfect. I don't even want to think about it. Like it's imagine imagine him talking to Seth like he was talking to those freshmen in the lunch line. And Seth having his Yeah, it, it wouldn't it's have just, been like that it would just be so awesome. Yeah. It's making me angry thinking about it. I know, it's just pissing me off. Because now I'm thinking about when like Ryan's talking to Seth about what sex is like and how he's had sex and stuff and he's just like saying it like such a fucking douche, like which time? Which girl? <laughs> which year was I? What how old was I? <laughs> Ryan's such a douche. God, what a mess. What a mess. Yeah, so news update, Riggins is funny now. And it's awesome. There's no there's no way to transition into this, so I'm just gonna go right into it. It's it's MCITW time. Bring it. We're gonna get back to Jason here and uh, you know I just want to do this now too because the thought of the potential how much better the OC could have been with Tim is just I, I can't I can't even MCITW of the week. This is the MCITW of the week. That is the Marissa Cooper of the week. Brought to you by Wicklowware. That's W-I-C-K-L-O-W-Ware. Be free and explore. Get all your outdoor gear at Wicklowware.com. Type in the promo code VL at checkout. Get 10% off of your order. MCITW of the week. This week, it is going to the one and only guy with no opposable thumbs jason street how come i gotta give it to him because honestly one i hate the fact that he's one of these guys who puts all of his fucking eggs in one basket he's one of those guys and like over enthusiastically just dives into one thing and like their enthusiasm with that one thing honestly it's too much and it just makes my stomach hurt, like, yeah, watching it. He definitely only has one basket. He's Banal's eggs in it. I think the I think the single-mindedness that he has definitely worked for football, like, on his first track of life. Like, that's how he got yes. to be as good as he is at football, because he probably obsessed about, like, you know, breaking down all the plays and yep. all the defenses. Yeah. And that's how he got the scholarship to Notre Dame and all that shit. But for quad rugby... That's the other thing. That was the, yeah. That was the main. It's not as good of an idea. That was the main thing. I was it was it, him. It's specifically putting all the fucking eggs into the quad rugby basket. That just drives me insane. Like he's literally about to quit school. He decided after one day back that he's just gonna quit school and he's gonna go join the like global touring rug quad rugby circuit. A week after he proposed to Lila. Yeah, it's just like, dude. Do less, guy. Like, look, I want to make a caveat here. I am all for passionate people diving into their passions. I'm all for that. I love that. As a man of passion myself, I love that. However, the way Street does it, it gives, like, people who go all in on passions a bad name. It makes me disgusted. And so either 
I am just as disgusting by being a man of passion as Jason Street, and I don't realize it myself. Or, Street just has this innate quality to be an annoying douche at all fucking times. No way I'm out. Yeah. Way I'm out. Which one do you think is more likely? Probably, maybe in a dish, but just for my MCITW. I didn't say I didn't say it. <laughs> so, anyways, yes. Kids, be free and explore. Brought to you by Wickaware. Goes to Jason Street for being a fucking bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've got a, uh, a brand new segment for us. What? Yeah. This is going to be a one-hitter segment, and we're going to do it live. Okay. I want to look up right now on the spot. Do you have your phone with you? Yes. Look up this information so you know I'm not cheating. I've not looked this up. Okay. But I want to find out, is the actor who plays Coach Taylor, Kyle Chandler, from Baltimore? So I've been noticing he says words weird, and I think it's this weird, subtle Baltimore accent. Like he says, two, and he says suicides. Like, give me 20 suicides, suicides, or two, and it drives me insane, and I need to know where he's from. I'm thinking it's Baltimore. What's the internet say? Um, not Baltimore at all. Shit. <laughs> Am I close? So, god damn, maybe it's like... Anywhere on the East Coast? You know what? It could be a melting pot of accents that he's got going on. Because he was born in Buffalo, New York. Damn it. That gives me nothing. But then it says he grew up in Lake Forest, Illinois until he was 11. Okay. And then his family moved to Georgia. Hmm. He went to high school there. He was a member of the 1979 state championship football team. Whoa, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. So my theory flopped, but it sounds like we're getting some pretty good information out of this. Yeah, and, and he then he went to the University of Georgia, too. So there's a, maybe there's a it's a combination of a little east, a little midwest, and a little <laughs> south. And that's what you get, is that accent. Are you with me? Does he say the word too weird? Too? He says it weird, but I honestly am so bad, as we know on this podcast, with uh, anything geography related that I have no idea what a Baltimore accent would sound like. Okay. But he, he could just, because he's from the east, the midwest, and the south, and he's trying to do a Texas southern accent, not a Georgia southern mm-hmm. accent, that he's really got a, a hodgepodge of fucking dialects going on full caveat also as well i don't know if people from baltimore say to you like to you right but it was just kind of a guess and a hunch and i went with it hopefully score big what's that segment gonna just be you having a hunch that's incorrect yeah (laughs) no that segment's called is kyle chandler from baltimore and he's not oh it's a one time it's It's a a one time segment no yeah (laughs) uh okay well no he's not (laughs) Um, I, I do quick hitter here. Mix CDs. Yeah. Still happening. Still happening at this time. I love a mix CD. Yeah. Did you ever give a mix CD ever in your life to a lady? No, we've gone over this before. I had right. no action in high school. Right, right, right. So neither did I. I, I made did. a bunch of mix CDs. <laughs> I don't know if I gave them out. I don't know. Yeah. I definitely never gave one out, but I also felt like even back then, Maybe that was my problem. You know, I always had mix CDs, but they were always just made for myself. Like, I'd yeah. make a mix, and then I'd call it, like, Brian's Summer Jams 03. You That's know? actually a good one. I remember it. 
uh, no, I was very into making them, and I loved put. I would design the the front of the CDR disc with Sharpie marker. I spent like two hours doing like cool lettering on it. Yeah, I, I mean, so the reason we bring this up is because um, Landry's advice to Matt was to make a mix CD when Julie's mad at him, and yes, we didn't have any mix CDs to give out to ladies. But also, like... No, we had the mix CDs. Oh, yeah, sorry. We just didn't have the ladies. Right, right. Yeah. We, had one, we had one big part of the equation, but we didn't have the back half of the equation figured out. But the thing is, is, like... Do you think... By the way, do you think they do, like, a like in current day, we'd have to... Hopefully the kids reach out. They'll kids. probably send us an email about this. Slide into our DMs, kids. <clears throat> do they do, like, a Spotify playlist? Like, would you create a Spotify playlist and, like, tag a girl in it or send it to her? I don't think kids are sending... I feel like that doesn't show the effort. I don't think kids are sending CDs anymore. Mixes. I think they're just sending nude pics like crazy now. Cell phones. I guess we're old fogies. It's really crazy because... But here's the thing. I don't think... Yes, so what I was going to say is I don't... Yes, we didn't have the back half of the equation on the, the girls to give the mixed CDs to. But I also don't think we... I wouldn't have given them out. I always thought they were lame as fuck. I always was like, no, I knew people that gave that mixed CDs. I was like, why do that? Those are lame as fuck. I guess you're just not a romantic. Yeah, I guess not. But it does also remind me of um, (laughs) Landry's advice to give that. His advice is to give the mixed CD. And another brilliant idea that Landry has is uh, for Matt to, to for Julie to, to get over uh, being mad at Matt is to take him to a jewelry store and buy her jewelry. But the jewelry he's shopping for are fucking like engagement rings. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like classic. Land- yeah, I think you nailed it. You said uh, Landry is the best at having no experience in a situation, but fully delivering really confident advice. Uh, yeah, yeah. Speaking speaking from no experience. Like, we should have that be a segment. Like, Landry's, <laughs> Landry's I classic. I think that should have just been the name of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, well, on the next podcast, but when we have a podcast network and we're coming out with, like, other podcasts and stuff, one will just be called Speaking from No Experience. And... Uh, hopefully we'll try and get uh, Landry Clark to come on and kick it off with uh, just all of his all of his advice to Matt, his 16-year-old advice to Matt on what would definitely work with the ladies. It ends up being the uh, the kindly old woman at the jewelry store who steers him in the right direction. Birthstone necklace. Yeah. Um, let's mix it up with a clip. Let's jump back into a clip. Uh, time to zag. We're going to zag with a clip and... This one is, we have not given much love at all to Smash's mom. And she had this this line that, this little speech that I think we need to give a little praise to. She brought the heat. This she episode. did. In this clip, Smash is still fucking around with like trying to prove some bullshit point because Waverly is essentially making him that Coach Mac is racist and all this shit. And... He doesn't even really want to, and I don't think his his mom doesn't want. No one really wants. It was to one take of those things stand. where we were talking about. It doesn't really benefit anybody, besides, right. uh, I guess, Waverly's agenda on like having her boyfriend be this man of passion who takes a stand. Yeah, but it doesn't benefit the team. It doesn't benefit any of the coaches. It doesn't benefit Smash. 
all the players that are sitting out, like they've got a lot riding on it. They love football too, and some of them are trying to make scholarships. Yeah, and their mindset doesn't benefit his mom. She's not like proud of him for this. No, and, and their mindset. A lot of the players on the team is just like. Can we just chalk Coach Mack up to being a fucking racist old fucking piece of shit yeah. and then go out and play football? And I think his do? mom in this clip, she's kind of hinting at the fact like, yeah, in life, you're going to run into a bunch of old racists. Like, fuck them. Yeah, let's play that clip. Here it is. You quitting football to try and make a point about racism in a small Texas town? That ain't the Million Man March. You are 17 and you got a brilliant future ahead of you. And I'm not going to sit here and watch you throw it away trying to teach a lesson to a bunch of fools. You know how you get back at people that think like Mac McGill? You get back on that team. You play like the star that you are. And you get recruited by A-list university. Go on and get your degree. Now you get up from here, get you something to eat, and get your butt in the bed, because you're going to that game tomorrow. What about everybody who said they weren't going to play? You a leader, honey. They'll follow you. Yeah. I mean, you can't just let one old racist, like, I think we've found out that Mac isn't actually a racist, but, like, you can't let one old racist, like, ruin your life. Just fuck it. Yeah. And and this is why I hate Waverly, dude, because it's like she's every storyline she's involved in. It's just like it's annoying. And that's why, honestly, when when Pipes and I are watching it, we fast forward through every single Waverly storyline because she's just like she's brought in and just creates like unnecessary drama. It's not it's unnecessary shitty drama. I don't mind villains. I don't mind bad characters. But I don't like the Matt Saracen's dads of the world, and I don't like the Waverly's of the world, where they just moonlight in, they have zero redeeming shit, and they just like have like these storylines that just piss everyone off. Just cause a bunch of waves and then get out. No pun intended. Waverly's fucking creating waves. <laughs> They're not fun waves. Yeah. Anyways, the mom. We gotta give her some love, because I love... She just like fucking is the voice of truth, dude. Which, oh, yeah. When she was speaking, you you said you were like truth bombs. Mom's giving truth bombs. Did I say that? Yeah. That doesn't sound like something I'd say. It sounded like you said it. Maybe I misheard you and it just sounded that cool. Okay. So, fucking in a different universe, you said truth bombs and I saw, I thought, damn, Pat made a cool comment there. <laughs> so you should just take credit for it. Truth so, bombs. Yeah. Truth bombs. Way to go. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> we should start saying that from now on. Fucking Smash's mom laying out truth bombs. Way to go, Smash's mom, because that was cool as fuck. We should start giving you more love. I have one thing on Mac. Give it to me. The thing I have on Mac is at one point when he goes over to Coach's house, Coach T's house, uh, and they're having a beer over like all this fucked up shit that's happening, Coach Mac is wearing uh, regular people clothes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I just kept thinking, like, because it looks so out of place and weird on him. I just kept thinking, how weird is it when you see a teacher off school property? Like, Uh, back in the day, if you ever saw your teacher, like, at the mall. It's horrifying. Oh, God. And then you see him in, like, normal people clothes, like, just jeans and, like, a flannel. And you're like, what the fuck? One of the funniest things that's... (laughs) One of my funniest interaction with the teacher in public was we saw one of our high school teachers at the pool 
and he just ignored us on purpose. <laughs> it was hilarious. Yeah. It was it's just so like weird. it was just like he like he it was his Saturday. He just like no no harm meant by it. He just did not want to take the time over and come over and like chat us up. He just <laughs> acted like we weren't there. We acted like he wasn't Dude, there, and it was beautiful. It's awkward for all parties involved. I think it's just as awkward for the teacher seeing the students as it is the students seeing the teacher. Because yeah, no wins. There's no wins here. No wins to be had. The the dynamic kind of breaks down. That there's the level of authority kind of breaks down. That dynamic of what you have in the classroom of the teacher having all the authority and you being the little bitch, it kind of goes away a little bit when you see them off grounds. And it's like such a weird feeling. It's like, whoa, Mrs. Schoenhoff, why are you like at home goods? I'm just here with my mom. She said that we had to come here for like the fourth time this week, as all moms love to do. And what are you here doing? Buying stuff for your house, you bitch? Buy that clock? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. You need some new duvet covers? I guess teachers Mrs. do Shen? need to tell time in their house as well. Oh, what? Your spatula's getting a little fucking worn down, Mrs. Schoenhoff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's weird as fuck. Where do we want to go next? <laughs> I don't even... Uh, oh, let's go to the strip club. I'm always down to go to the strip club. You know me, man. Let's go. Shit, you know. Damn. Damn. Got the body of a goddess. Got eyes brown. I see you. God, you just saying that reminds me of our first strip club. Was it in high school? Yeah. Did you go that time? Yes. Was it when I got my braces off? Yes. When we went to the strip club to celebrate? Yes. That was the first time. <laughs> so just so the kids are privy to this, uh, Pat and I, first time we ever went to a strip club, I think we had just turned 18, but more importantly, we were going to celebrate Pat, who had his braces four years longer than anyone else in human history had their braces on, had just gotten his braces off. And we went to celebrate. <laughs> I believe we got drunk uh in the parking lot yes. or in someone's neighborhood beforehand it was like probably a little bit of a four or five high school dudes and we got drunk and uh, went in there because strip clubs in Ohio at the time it's uh, you couldn't serve alcohol at them so that's why you always see the fucking regular creepy dudes in there just drinking O'Doul's and it's like really sober yeah just drinking fake alcohol and just staring at chicks god regulars at strip clubs are the most pathetic human beings of all time. They're a sad creature of human. Uh, yeah, it's, it's bad times. So anyways, the the funniest <laughs> fucking moment at that strip club was we bought you a dance with a, a girl. And uh, at this strip club, the layout was is that you could see there wasn't like a back room that you would go for a dance. No you, champagne room. You could just, you there was just these side booths. And so when, when you went to the, when we went to the strip club and you had to, sit in this side booth with this naked girl grinding all over you for three minutes. We all were just staring at you and you were staring at us and you couldn't even enjoy the, like the naked girl dancing on you because it was just so much heat you were taking, just having to stare at all your friends laughing at you the whole time. Yeah. Now that wasn't good, but God damn dude, 
Strip clubs are a lot. Anyways, the reason we bring up strip clubs is because Tyra has been a bad influence now on Julie T. And Tyra's sister works at the strip club. And they're at the, they're at the strip club. Landry's there. Matt Saracen's there. They're all there. And uh, it was an interesting scene because they all got arrested. Um, oh, because they were underage. Yeah, they're underage. Undercover cop busted them. Yeah. They're Fuck. basically Hero. just there to Hero. pick something up from Tyra's sister, right? Yeah, but I did. The reason I noted that scene, though, one, because, yeah, I, I love talking about you getting your braces off and us going to one. Mm-hmm. But the main reason was great moment in the car between Tammy T and Coach T after they get um, busted and they get sent to jail. And all the other parents pick up the other kids and they leave Julie sitting there for a little longer to think about her decision. Nice move. It was just a great, a great realistic couple scenes there with, with our favorite, you know, T's having to like fret over their daughter, like going to jail there for the first time and how you deal with that fucking dynamic. And then when they go back home and they get into that argument and like Tammy T's just like laying it out. Oh yeah. To fucking coach and to and to Julie T, it's just great. I, I they just nail the realistic dynamic of what it's like to have two caring parents and just a clear sixteen year old who's gonna have fuck ups along the way. Um, yeah, it's a it's a weird balance, and I think in that scene they do like I know Tammy T is obviously pissed off at her daughter for getting in trouble and being seemingly going down the wrong path. So she's really laying into her. I think Coach Taylor, just in this scene, he's kind of like playing good cop because I think in his mind, he knows that his daughter is still a good person. And it's like, this is just kind of like a hiccup along the road of growth. I feel like in every parent's mind, you got like that battle going on. Like, shit, my, my son did this thing. But he's still a good person. I don't know. How hard do I yell at him? But I got to punish him. I got to punish him. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like these uh, seems very complicated. Yeah, I was saying like I I just I do a lot of uh, pontificating on this uh, vicarious living podcast about how much of uh, what I've realized now a strict parent I'm gonna be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just kept thinking in that argument between because what happens is Tammy T is yelling at Julie really aggressively. Coach T is just sitting there like you said, saying nothing, and then they send her to her room. And then the fight begins between Tammy T and Coach because she's pissed at him that he's just sitting there not fucking like having her back. Exactly. And I just kept thinking, I'm going to totally be Tammy T in that situation. I'm going to be yelling and just be over freaking out. And then I'm going to be looking at Anna and being like, sup? No fucking backup? I'm just going to be left on the bad guy, left on an island to look like a dick? I, I I think it's a tag team match. Where sometimes you're more pissed off, sometimes the other person's more pissed off, and you're just... I mean, you still get to beat the shit up out of your kid. Right. Mentally and emotionally. Physically abuse? Yeah, no, they definitely take the damage, but you guys get to take turns on who's dealing it out. Yeah. Hope so. I hope I don't get left on a rage island. Well, you live on a rage island, (laughs) so you're going to be there no matter what. (laughs) Um... I want to play, let's play, let's just kick in some background music because there was a great scene. We were both commenting on the music and how tense it made the scene feel. Yeah, slide this in. There it is. We got music behind us right now? Yeah. Okay, cool. 
in this scene, this is the end of episode 15, and what's happening is, is all this stuff between Coach Mac and Smash and all this, like, these hardcore racism issues between the black players and the white coach is, like, really coming to, like, a tense... Mm-hmm. You cut that shit with the fucking spin. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, this music is just fucking playing, and it's so tense. It's like there's not even, like, anyone, no one's even saying anything. It's just a great, like, editing montage by Pete Bird. I'm like, this, this is playing, and they just keep showing these looks, and you know exactly what everyone's thinking. Is this, is this when, they, uh, when they decide to cross the picket line? Yeah. So, smash... You know what, let's play with Smash says, because this is the only dialogue in this whole, like, two-minute scene. Here it is. Listen, sir. No, you listen. I'm here, but that don't change a thing. I know who you are. And so, he says that, and then it's like, oh, fuck, it's even more tense, and then, yeah, they just keep playing, like, Coach T look, Mac look, like, they just keep showing all these looks, and it's so fucking intense. Great stuff, great editing. But, as we end this music, I just want to mark this date. You know, we were saying episode 15 is the episode where Riggins became like himself. Like, he started to become Taylor Kitsch. And, you know, he started to become a great actor in the Tim Tim Riggs we know and love. Mm -hmm. Mark this episode down also in history as the episode... On Friday Night Lights, that Tim Riggins single-handedly ended all racism in this country. <laughs> Round of applause. <laughs> I say that because... I it, feel like uh, Martin Luther King obviously did a lot. Mm-hmm. Malcolm solve, X. Solve racism in this country. Yeah. Malcolm X, you got your Malcolm X's. Um, you got your Rosa Parks's, you know, they, I think they started it. They started it. They started the movement. And Tim then ended in it. this episode, in this moment, he ends it. He mm-hmm. solves it. It's fixed. Yep. Which solved it completely. And that's why we have had no race issues in this country at all. Since 2006. Yes. Thank you, Tim. Yes. And so how Tim did it is at the end of the episode... <laughs> Uh, it was a cool fucking moment. I know we're we're saying this in jest, but it was a fucking cool moment because this whole game it ends. This one ends on a football game, obviously, because it's ending on a close game, mm-hmm. and it's a fucking. Apparently, this other school, all the players on their team are white and super racist. They're just dirty players. The ref, yeah, they're the other team's dirty, and the refs aren't giving any calls. None. They're fucking going out of their way, like, to not make these egregious penalty calls that are, like, face masks and holding and pass interference. And even this one after, so this one when Tim, Tim R. Uh, rent ends racism is smash scores and... Game winning, no, not a game winning TD, just a big TD. Yeah, to take the lead. And after he's already in the end zone, no one's even around him. He walks in. He's just kind of like jogging essentially out of the end zone to go back to like his the bench and this guy on the other team just cheap shots the fuck out of him spears him in the back of the end zone no flag no flag this is where i was like starting to get like okay i get it you you're racist rest and all that stuff and you know you're not going to call the questionable pass interference you're not going to call a questionable face mask but this one was like 
there's no way you can physically not be fired from your job of being a ref if there's a late hit this late and this egregious. Like, not only would this kid be penalized, he would be ejected and suspended. No doubt. For, like, five games. So... I've never seen anything that blatant. Yeah. But anyways, the cool moment by Tim and when he single-handedly ended racism was after they did that, this whole time it's been, like, this conflict between the white players and the black players and everything. Tim sees his boy get fucking knocked down like that, Sheep Shot City, and he's like, fuck no. Not on my watch. Nope. Not on mine. And he just goes over and just fucking rails the kid. Starts beating the shit out of him. Punching his helmet with his bare fist. Which is like... Not a good idea. Not a horrible idea. Kids, if you get into a fight on the football field, uh, unless the helmet's off, don't punch the face. You're just going to break your fucking hand. Helmets are hard. They're hard. As we know, because we've recently had some on our heads. Inside of dicks. Inside of dicks sports. As 31-year-old men. Yeah. By the way, so you failed to mention, Riggins decks this guy, it starts a bench-clearing brawl. Yeah. Yeah. Both benches clear, full-on fight eruption. Hijinks ensues. Hijinks ensues. Game gets called, and then there's some... Uh, loophole in the rule book that if it's after the third quarter <laughs> yeah. and the game ends for whatever reason albeit weather albeit a bench clearing brawl yeah who's ever winning just wins the game so dylan peace win the game dylan peace win they are still alive in the playoffs so cool by the way how about the ref who missed that call that caused a full-on riot on the field yeah that's what i'm saying like <laughs> this ref needs to be like disparred <laughs> would you say disparred or is that just for lawyers it's, for, it's for lawyers and referees. Yeah, lo- yeah, it's for both. Disbar him. Yeah, disbar him. Um, let's end it on uh, one. We just want to play an, a, a clip that gave us both a vibe of... Mm, <clears throat> mm. That's good stuff. And it's this clip. We haven't even talked about fucking Matt S. This, that much this episode. It's this clip. He's been trying to get Julie back. He's been trying real hard. Doing mixtapes, fucking engagement rings, taking bad advice from Landry. None of it's worked. You know what does work? When he goes back to just being the Matt S that we know and love. Mm-hmm. Saying this. I was really worried about you on the field. Uh, you, you, don't, you don't need to worry about me. I, in a fight, I just kind of stand in the back and just yell stuff. Uh, I got this for you. It's beautiful. It's my birthstone. Look, we kind of been going out for a while, but we never really made it official. Uh, Will you be my girlfriend? That's how you fucking do it, dude. Can I call you my girl? Yeah. That's how he does it. Yeah. That's also how yeah. uh, the podcaster sitting across from me does it. That's not how I do it. Um, I That's told, how you do I it. I told Pat to specifically bring this up on the podcast because I wanted to address something. That you want to clear the air? Yeah, I want to clear the air that's about um, uh, 18. I was 18. It was senior year of high school. Girl I started dating senior year of high school. Uh, so that's, how many years ago is that? I can't do that, man. Okay. Come on. It's 
We're 31 now. I was 18. Do the math, kids. 13? Something like that. <laughs> 13 years ago. Um, this has been fucking thought for a long time that when I asked this girl to start dating senior year of high school, that I said to her, can I call you my girl? And that's how I asked her out. Uh, false. I did not do that. And this is probably a big reason why I broke up with her like two months after we started dating. That was disgusting. She told all of her fucking friends that the way I asked her would, she came over to my friend's house when I was over there. We like went to the, uh, this other room or whatever, just the two of us. We were both into each other. I did not say that. I, I don't remember what I said, but I, I was like, said something along. She does. I think I said something along the lines. She remembers of, exactly what she said. <laughs> I didn't say that. We have been hanging out a decent amount. And so I, we were just talking about like, hey, we're hanging out this much. And I think I asked her like, with us hanging out, this like, I'm into you. It's clear we're both into each other. If people like ask me. Who's my girl? <laughs> I'm like, if people ask me if we're like dating or whatever, what what's the answer? What should I tell them? She turned that into, and it was like conversational back and forth. She turned that into like, I went down there and just fucking like strolled up to her. And I was like, hey, got to call you my girl? It's like, fuck you, bitch. I'm so glad by the end of that relationship, about 37 days into the relationship, I was organically so disgusted with her outside of that, that I also strategically would only try and call her on the phone when I knew she was at soccer practice and she couldn't pick up. No disrespect. No offense. Uh, I can't believe you treat your girl like that. That's terrible. It's fucking bullshit. Okay, that's it for me. You got an MVP? Yeah, I do. It's Tim Riggins. Good. Yeah. For, for ending racism as we know it. He literally ended it. Yeah. It's done. I know. That was a cool move by him. Also, throughout the whole episode, he did try... Like, he was the only one trying to bring this team together. He was. He kept going up to Smash like, listen, like, what's... what's can we squash this? Like, yeah. What's going squash on? Like, literally, beat. is there... Can we just end this? And they kept, like, Smash and everyone kept, like, making him, like, the way he was doing it. Like, he would say, like... Hey Smash, you get your can you get your boys in line or whatever? Like he would say like an, a comment like that, trying to mend fences, and it'd be like one of those things like, "What do you mean, boys? My boys? Yeah, what are you saying?" And it was like, "Dude, I'm not." So Tim was putting in the work all episode. Yeah, he's just to trying. bring the Dylan Peas together and end racism. Yeah, turns out his hard work paid off. Yep, Dylan Peas back together, racism over. Yep, and also. It was hilarious watching him bully those fucking JV kids. Yeah. So in the same episode, he ended racism and he brought bullying back and made bullying okay. Nice. And we support that. Yes. Cool. That's it. Kids, stop being pussies. Sometimes you need to be bullied a little bit. Builds character. Mm -hmm. You know? Tim knows it. We know it. Kids, fucking build that character. And while you're building that character... Tuck on in. You tuck on in, kids. And you sleep tight while that character is fucking building. And, Pat? Clear eyes. Bull hearts. Do less. Do way less.
can follow us on Instagram at Vicarious Living Podcast and listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. You know you found us when you see a picture of Pat and I sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is Laguna Beach. Steven's there, just not pictured. Steven and Elsie, both there, just not pictured.